Before today's podcast, here's something else you'll want to hear. With Telstra Prepaid Max, you get 35 gigabytes for $40 on your first three recharges, plus a 35-day expiry. Oh, we should add, includes a 15 gig bonus, first recharge by Feb 17, 2020, remaining recharges by May 18, 2020, for use in Australia. Now, on with the podcast. Welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast. What about that Sunwolves victory over in Fukuoka? Christy Doran, I'm Andrew Swain. Christy Doran joining me, mate. That was an incredible start to Super Rugby 2020, round one done and dusted. Can you believe these guys came together just a couple of weeks ago? That is an extraordinary victory, 36-27 over the Rebels. No one would have predicted that from a country mile away. Swaney, um, you, you caught it. Yeah. You travelled up there with George Gregan to Japan, spent a couple of days up there. Yeah. What about the experience? Oh, well, first of all, great experience. It's fantastic that, um, yeah, J-Sport take us up there and, uh, and get us to call the games. Going up with a guy like George Gregan, who is such a revered human being in Japan, like legendary. They love him up there. Do people know who he is or stop him on the streets or, or how quickly does it? Because clearly you're the Hulk on one side. Yeah. And then... <laughs> it's actually quite funny because, like, as I say, he's quite revered. He, he was a bit of a trailblazer for those early kind yeah. of international players that went and played in Japan. So uh, he, he's, he's, a, he's a pioneer in that sense. But it's funny, you, people, he walked past people and not necessarily on the street but when you're around rugby things so when you're around the stadium and all that sort of stuff and I I kind of I I sort of hung back behind him and let him walk in front and uh, just in case he gets caught yeah yeah exactly master Yoda (laughs) just walking in front he he, it's funny you walk he walks past people and then you see people do a double take and then go oh George Gregan Gregan's son and then they (laughs) kind of start following past me like it so yeah it was um it was great but got over there on the uh on the Friday morning got straight out to the captain's runs and, and watched the Sunwolves do their thing and then the Rebels in the afternoon and then couldn't wait to get to a ramen joint so we could have a ramen for lunch because it was it was only it was less than 10 degrees up there coming from the 40 degrees in sydney yeah. uh, needed a nice warming ramen for lunch which have, was good and wash it down with the sapporo or something or other yeah oh, you know you you've definitely got to um enjoy the uh, the draft beer up there or something else it's unbelievable and then went out to dinner with uh with the j sport people that night who uh to a seafood restaurant they made me eat uh, the eye of a fish it's on my uh, on my instagram if you if you're following me at second row okay <laughs> just <laughs> <cha-ching>. <laughs> Uh, mate, they say it gives you it's good. It's great for your brain. It's great to it makes you brighter, is what they say, and it's also good for your skin. And I've got a bald head, so uh, you it, need as it, much it, as you can get, mate. It was a double whammy for me. Uh, nearly came back up. Needed to wash it down with a bit of lemon sour just to keep it uh, down. But yeah, it was a heck of an experience uh, up in Fukuoka, which is a very much a uh, it's a it's a it's renowned for its culinary delights. Absolutely, and and um, did you? have any kind of idea that what was going to be brewing, what was going to be brewing on that Saturday because clearly the Rebels got there and shell-shocked. Like yeah. The, uh, the Sunwolves opened up a big lead 
oh. and blew him off the park early on. It was it was interesting. We were at the captain's runs, and the the, the Sunwolves just seemed so relaxed. Like there was a very relaxed feel about them. Um, you know, they're coached by Okaba. The um, uh, he's he's a former Japan player. Do you do yourself Greeks. a favor at some stage, everyone out there? Google him because I think if you Google him, it comes up rather than like the headshot of you what you'd usually get for a rugby player or or whatever or a coach comes up with the comic. Coming up a comic book character. Oh, basically. really? <laughs> Ox, they called him, and and, and so he has got he's got this team together. He's dragged them together. It's a barbarians team, as as I've sort of mentioned. That uh, there are a bunch of ragtag guys from around the world, uh, but so relaxed, and uh, and they were pretty clinical in their in their execution at the captain's run. And then the rebels came out, and, and it just felt really serious. So it was kind of this. There was this sort of little subtle difference in in the way that they operated at the captains' runs, and then on the day, um, you know, big crowd coming into Fukuoka, and it was just that first twenty minutes. I reckon that the Sunwolves played so well. There was a couple of wonderful little plays. Um, so Stolberg, who was the the second row, got their line out working really well. That's something that the Sunwolves has held the Sunwolves back in the past. And then um, there was a couple of players, uh, Japanese players, Nunamaki in their back row, and then Moria, the 13. Keisuke Moria scored the first try. Great then, ball from Benny Teo out in front. Yep, absolutely. And he scored the second one. Uh, he scored that first one and then set up this, uh, another try for Tautala Tasi Tasi as well with this perfect perfectly weighted, floating long ball out to the wing. Uh, just a, a really classy player, Keisuke Maria. Um, and, and just everyone did their – this was Greg's. Greg's love this. He, he's all about the Bill Belichick, do your job situation uh, with the Patriots. Uh, every single one of those Sunwolves players, in, particularly in that first 20 minutes, they did their job. And that's what blew the Rebels away, I reckon. Yeah, and, and clearly the Rebels couldn't get their way back. It, it puts a lot of pressure on Dave Vessels, the Rebels, early on. But what a statement it is for, just for the Sunwolves to, to, to put to Sansa. Clearly they're, they're getting kicked out at the end of the year. So uh, a massive, massive medial finger, I think, from the, the oh. Sunwolves going, you know what, we're not going to cop it and we're going to just throw everything out there. And they've done that. Even afterwards as well, they were in the sheds. They were enjoying a, a, a Suntory premium malt uh, beer in the sheds. You've got to celebrate your victories. They've got the buy next week. But um, just this relaxed feeling. I mean, it's, it's clear, having been around this team, that guys are still getting to know each other. But, um, you know, the coaching staff uh, and also Chris Webb, I think, who's coming in as the Wallabies manager, team manager. Yeah. Uh, he's up there uh, helping out. He's been with the Sunwolves the last couple of years. His influence, I reckon, is key at the moment because they, uh, they they all still seem to be getting to know each other, but they're allowed to enjoy that victory, have a beer in the sheds afterwards. Uh, and, and, you know, guys like Ben Teo hanging around with the likes of Alex Horan, son of Tim Horan, who didn't get a game on the weekend, but I saw, them, I, saw them, I saw them doing extras at the captain's run together. And, you know, this is a guy, Ben Teo, who's played test rugby with a, a young bloke, Alex Horan, yet to make his super rugby debut, doing extras together and then mingling after the games together in the sheds, enjoying a beer. It, it just had a really good vibe about it. Um, and, you know, I, having travelled home with the Rebels as well, they, they were pretty disappointed. Um, they were... You know, they, they definitely... It was definitely an ambush. Uh, you know, I don't think that's an excuse. 
Um, but yeah, D- Dave Bessel's bitterly disappointed. Um, all the players that I spoke to afterwards, bitterly disappointed. But um, yeah, Japan turning it on once again. What a great, uh, great venue, Fukuoka. They're taking the Sunwolves on the road for a couple of games. It's, playing it, Osaka and, and that's as well. a great thing as well, just to continue to, to spread the game of rugby, super rugby, the message of super rugby, Sansa rugby out. Uh, in in Japan too. Yeah, that's right, because the Sunwolves aren't necessarily as well known as some of the other top league teams. The top league season is underway at the moment, so that's being played at the same time. Um, but still to see over 10,000 people turn up to Fukuoka, which is you know not a big stadium, but it felt full. Uh, it was picturesque. The air was crisp. It was just a perfect afternoon and uh, unreal um, that they get to, to go to a place like Fukuoka. They're playing in Osaka, as I said, um, and then they've got a, f- a couple more games in, um, in Tokyo as well. So, yeah, unreal weekend. Great place to, uh, to start the season. Well, you've just come home, Andrew Swain, as has a man, another man... Nick Styles and he's joining us on the line. Stylesy, uh, konnichiwa. Konnichiwa, Swayne. <laughs> Gee, mate, you've picked uh, the lingo up real quick, mate. Oh, yoroshiku onegaishimasu, Nick In all seriousness, Nick, how much of the language have you learnt? Oh, listen, I've had uh, I've had a couple of stints actually in Japan. I, I went over in two thousand and seven, and uh, had four seasons with uh, Kubota. So I picked up um, you know a bit of Japanese then, and and I've just finished my second year with the with the liners. So my listening's pretty good, mate. I couldn't get into a fluent conversation, but I can hold mine. Speaking of picking things up, you probably would have picked up a bit of Japanese whiskey over the over the years then. <laughs> Oh, I tell you what, it's good stuff. The uh, the father-in-law loves a bit of uh, Japanese whiskey, so I, every trip back I, I slip in a uh, little bottle for him that he's appreciative of. 100%. I picked up a bottle of Hibiki for one of the producers here as well. He loves oh. that stuff while I was up there, so had to go to the local Don Quixote store to pick that up. <laughs> Are you sure that was the only thing you're buying from the Don Quixote, mate? Because they uh, are known to sell everything... Uh, that's known to man in that store. Oh, mate, everything under the sun. It's quite an incredible shop, actually. We're giving – maybe we can get sponsorship from Don Quixote on the Fox Rugby podcast. <laughs> they literally have everything. It's uh, it's awesome. But, um, mate, how has this stint been for you? You've just finished up the season with the Kintetsu Liners. Yourself, Sean Hedger, um, have been wildly successful up there. Yeah, re- really um, rewarding, I probably would say. You know, it's my second year there. Um, the club had been relegated when I got there and um, sort of getting into a position where we really rebuilt the program, um, got to put a lot of systems in place and just change the culture of the joint, I suppose, uh, was great. And then to get the rewards this year, um, really pleasing. Picked up a few Australian players as well um, and, they, <laughs> yeah. and they seem to go all right. Uh, being reunited with a couple of them as well, Quay Cooper or Genia, that must be nice. Yeah, bringing in quality uh, playmakers like that into uh, into a team um, really gave us a lot of direction for this comp we just had. Um, you know, one of the things you get in Japan is you you know you get a lot of journeymen, a lot of uh, players coming in and out of the program, but to to bring in two guys that have played so much football together just helps with that continuity and game understanding. And it's pretty difficult for um, the nines and tens um, to come in because you've got language issues, the games. 
played at a different pace. Um, and just to have those two uh, just slot straight in like they, uh, you know, were veterans of Japanese rugby was fantastic. And Willie G was actually on our flight on the way up uh, with Greggs and I on Thursday night. You guys had like a, a function, an end-of-season function of some description? Yeah, listen, uh, Japan's a fantastic place, but uh, some of the things that you do get frustrated with is that things don't happen quickly. And like our comp finished two, <laughs> week, two, <laughs> two weeks ago, mate, and uh, we had our end-of-season party on Friday night. So uh, it had dragged on a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so Willie would have flown up first class and it's good to hear that you're flying first class as well, Tony. <laughs> the point is, but he doesn't need it. I need it. Okay, being a six foot five human, uh, he's yeah, all right. Must be nice, Swanee. Must be nice, um, mate. The Sun Wolves, so they got the job done over the Rebels oh. on the weekend. How about that? Like an incredible what? result and an incredible way to start the season for them. Oh, mate, uh, real mixed emotions for us at the at the liners, mate. We, uh, Kintetsu, we started up a, uh, you know, a partnership with the, with the Melbourne Rebels this year. So we're doing a lot with uh, with the Rebels. And and so to see them uh, lose on the weekend wasn't the uh, ideal result. But then we also had um, Michael Stolberg, who's a, who is an Australian, a Queensland boy, is playing, uh, playing for the Sunwolves. So I was pleased for him, but disappointed for the Rebels. Oh, and he played so well as well mate they were they're like a barbarians team this Sunwolves team they are just thrown together a bunch of guys from all over the world but they in three weeks the cohesion that they showed particularly in that first 20 minutes was incredible Oh, wasn't it ever that, uh, you know, it wasn't even three weeks they had together as a full side because, um, you know, there were quite a few players that came from the um, second div comp that we were playing in. Um, you know, they only came in a week or so before that game. So they to, to do that and tie it together so quickly was a real credit to them. Nick, Nick, can you just tell us a little bit about how Japanese rugby is kind of, or what's happened with Japanese rugby since the World Cup? Because clearly it, it certainly put rugby front and centre of, of Japanese people's minds. Oh, listen, it's, it is an incredible atmosphere over there. Um, you know, the World Cup was something uh, so special, but then to see the see the interest and support just flow on post the World Cup has been um, electrifying. You know, we, we had 20,000 people to our games at the end of the year. Um, you know, we had a fan day after the season. I reckon there would have been three or 4,000 people there. So the support for the, the rugby now is just through the roof. You're getting bigger crowds to games than you're getting at Super Rugby. So, you know, I don't know what they do. The Sunwolves are getting kicked out of the comp. But um, I, I think for any, any anything for rugby to, to really grow and, and move forward in the future, that Japan rugby's got to be embraced. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, Stilesy, that – the fact that the Sunwolves are leaving the uh, Super Rugby competition this year, it, it, to me, it just feels like such a tremendous waste. Having been to quite a few of their games, uh, seen the crowds that they bring in, seen the enthusiasm that they show, seen some of the results that they've been able to pull off, and yet after this year they're done. Like, How can you salvage what they've managed to build over the last few years uh, and use it somewhere else? Is, is there an answer? Listen, I reckon that probably the area they've got to really capitalise on now is what they do with the national side. Um, you know, the the, the corporate rugby, um, I think, will continue to grow from strength to strength. Like, you know, I watched a game on the weekend, the other weekend, where Suntory were playing Kobe, and you've, you've got 
um, Retallick, Carter playing, Samu Karevi, uh, Shawnee McMahon, uh, Mac Giddo, like the, the names that are playing over there now and in their prime of their mm. career are, are huge. So I think the corporate rugby will continue to be really strong, um, but you'd just love to now to see the, uh, you know, the Brave Blossoms really embraced in a, you know, in a comp- competition like the uh, Rugby Championship. Yeah, I, I was exactly. I was going to say that. How, how quickly? Like, clearly, there's broadcast deals being sewn up at the moment. Mm. Is, is this a thing that you think clearly they, they're good enough? They've they've just made the, the the quarterfinals of last year's World Cup. They beat Ireland, beat Scotland. Um, is this a sort of thing that 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 Sansa has to show a bit of proactiveness and go? We're going to get the the, the brave blossoms in in the rugby championship. I do. I think it's got to happen uh, sooner than later. Um, you know, uh, having Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown um, committed again to the to the national side is just a fantastic thing for Japan rugby. And um, and I think the player depth is is going to continue to get stronger and stronger uh, each year. So you just love to see the the national side playing because you know, like any proud country, that you know they love supporting. The, the best team and the top team in the country, and that's your, that's your national side. So hopefully they can get into the rugby championship soon. Uh, absolutely. And, and just turning our attention to our own national side, the Wallabies, clearly your name had been linked uh, to a, a possible forwards coaching role under under Dave Rennie. Um, but you, you've just re-signed with Kinsetsu for, for another year. So... Can you just talk us through, was was there an option? Was there much discussion around uh, potentially coming back to, to fill that role at all? Oh, listen, it was uh, something that definitely my name had been thrown out there by all, all you journalists, which was fantastic <laughs> when it comes to uh, uh, negotiating tables. But, uh, uh, listen, I, I'd been speaking to Scott Johnson um, for the last six months. Um, we never got to a point where, you know, there was a job offer or anything like that, but it was um, something that, you know, I think they've got a really good crew, uh, coaching crew moving forward. Uh, Dave Rennie's uh, obviously a very successful coach. Uh, I've, I've played club rugby with Matt Taylor and uh, I think he's an exceptional coach as well. And then Wisey I've known for a long time and everyone knows what Wisey's like. So I think they've got a really good crew moving forward. It would have been nice to, to have been a part, part of it, but I just think probably at the moment being away from Australian rugby for another year or two is not the worst thing for me either as well so um you know i'm not committed long term we'll see what happens moving down the track and but i'm pretty comfortable with the decision i've made at the moment Uh, and that's great and and congratulations uh have you got an opinion on on what kind of forwards coach the wallabies need um oh you know it seems like you you know once again reading the press you never know how true it is what you read in the press but you know it sounds like they um particularly when christy doran's writing it it, well yeah (laughs) Yeah. trust me he's written a few articles (laughs) on me i wouldn't mind getting him off air and having a chat to him about but uh um no listen um uh, it sounds like they're going to go down, a, you know, a, a coach that can do lineouts and, and then a, a scrum coach. You know, that's a model that New Zealand teams use, and it's a it's a model that you see a lot over in the European uh, rugby. So it wouldn't surprise me if they go down that path. Well, Stasi, uh, mate, 
it's uh, it's been great chatting to you. We wish you all the best. Congratulations again uh, on re-signing with Kintetsu and uh, and mate, enjoy Japan life. You're Oshiku Onagashimas. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I, I love it over there. It's um, you know the people are good. The, the standard of the rugby has um, just improved tenfold, and and it's a pretty pretty good place to be at the moment. Absolutely, Nick. Look forward to talking both on and off the, the airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> Easy as, hey. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, Nick Styles there, fantastic human being and uh, and good luck to him. Just back on the Melbourne Rebels, um, you know, who are sponsored by Styles' team, Kintetsu, uh, our, the company that, that Styles works for. Uh, yeah, look, pretty bitterly disappointed, as I said a little bit earlier, um, with their performance and uh, and coming home. And, and Dave Vessels uh, afterwards, um, you know, he, he copped it on the chin, but he, he wasn't saying much, was he? Yeah, and, and it's a bit of a concern going forward. <clears throat> Clearly, he made a, a huge admission on, on the Thursday, uh, well, pretty much the captain's run, um, saying that he you know he considered walking away from, from the Rebels at the end of last year uh, following their, their massive fall from grace the second time in the row that the Rebels had been one of the front runners after five, six weeks of the competition only to miss the finals again. Mm. Clearly not the ideal start. They've got to pick themselves off, off, off the canvas pretty quickly because the Brumbies is going to be a tough proposition on Friday night despite the fact that they've had some success over the Brumbies in recent years tough ask going to Canberra and beating last year's uh, Australian Conference winners. Yeah, I, I think um, I think with the Rebels, uh, you know, they the, the last couple of years they've had really fast starts and faded away. I, I, this isn't the oh, – it's only round one. I think we, we can't forget that. Uh, it's only round one. There was some really – there were some positives out of that game that, you know, necess- the start for them was really what, what hurt them uh, of both halves. Um, but they managed to get themselves back into the game. Once they got, you know, once the the ball kicked off in the second half and you saw Marika Corabetti, he touched the ball about four times in about a minute. Less um, than that, I reckon, 20 he, seconds. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he really wanted to get involved. I thought Andrew Kellaway uh, on the other wing, um, you know, he's, his first couple of touches were pretty good. He, he was actually a bit unlucky that he gave away that try to Dargaville at the start of the second half. He's chipped over the top. That ball bounces the other way and it's, you know, it's, it's on for him. Uh, and then he set himself up with another try uh, later on in the game. So I thought that was good. I thought Matt Tamua, uh, you know, was, was solid without setting the house on fire and Frank Lamani as well. They weren't getting quick ball and I think that really hurt them um, at times. The Sunwolves were doing a very good job, legally or not, at slowing the ball down. Yeah, fair, fair points. So I, I just think that, you know, we, for years we've, we've been talking about the Rebels having a really good roster. Um, whether – and guys putting in okay shifts here and there, whether or not they can turn it on pretty quickly. That And that's the big question. And you're right, it does start up front. They need to, they need to win the set piece. That wasn't completely firing over the weekend. Mm, yeah, uh, they lost a couple of uh, – they lost a couple of line-outs. We actually made a point of saying that in the call because – in the past, the Sunwolves line-out's been dreadful, but yeah. the, the the Rebels actually, they misfired a little bit And it bit was there. a bit of a strength of theirs last year. They turned it around the Rebels last year, and that mm. was one of their stronger points. But I, I can't see them going up to, to Canberra and, and winning. Um, good, good luck. Clearly, there's enough talent in that side to do, but Matty Tamur is someone who really, and I think not just from a Rebels perspective, but from a Wallabies perspective, I think he really needs to stamp his name over that side. He's now been part of them for a little while, even though he played the last few games with the Rebels last year. 
He's an international player who's got 50-odd caps to his name. He's now 30. Um, Dave yeah. Essels needs him to, to stand up. And, and we've been talking about Matt Tamur for years, for, for close to a decade, as to whether or not he's a, a fly half or an inside centre. Well, this is the year. They don't. There's no Christian Leofano like there was for that long with the Brumbies when he mm-hmm. played in or outside him. It's it's the Matt Tamur show, and it's and it's on his opportunity to go. No, I am a ten. I am a fly half. I've been saying I'm a fly half my life. Well, it's it's now time to prove it. I reckon he can. I reckon he can as well. Like he's he's got the ability. Um, as I said, he. he he was probably playing on a pack that was, was playing on the back foot a little bit on the weekend. Um, he showed some good touches. He kicks his goals. Um, you know, he missed a couple of conversions, but, um, you know, he kicked the ones that he needed to. Um, he's actually, he, when he lines up his goals, he, he, he kind of lines up like he's about to swing a golf club. We know Matt loves, loves, his, golf. loves yeah. his golf. Yeah. So, uh, but, but that aside, um, I, I really think Matty actually can. Um, stamp his claim on it because also that Wallaby 10 jersey is completely up for grabs now. Um, it's vacant. Uh, I think Matty Timmel is the incumbent, to be fair, for that one. So, Well, if you think about it, Christian's definitely not going to be a part of it and, and Bernard Foley's unlikely to be called back, as is Quade Cooper. We, we heard Dave Rennie before the season got underway pretty much say that. So, yeah, Timu is clearly the favourite. Mm. And, and, and you look at the, the other three guys that, that wore 10 jerseys in Australian rugby yeah, over the all weekend. rookies. All rookies, nonetheless. You know, we'll talk a bit more about him in a moment. Had some good touches, but you could clearly see that um, it was it's early on in his career how he reacted to pressure after dropping balls. Um, Isaac Lucas had a very good game, I thought, uh, and, and then clearly Will Harrison making his debut, a tough one against mm. the, the Crusaders, but he came out alive. The other guy who got a, a crack at playmaker, albeit late in that Rebels game, was Andrew Deegan, who I thought had a few good touches. He scored a try, um, you know, came on. They, they, were, they were finishing fast, the Rebels. They came home with a bit of a wet sail. Um, but uh, and Andrew Deegan, I thought was was very good when he came on. So look, I don't think any. It's not all lost for the Rebels that we 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 can't we can't oh, write too, them off. Yeah, it's too just, too early to say that. Hundred percent. But but the pressure cooker has been turned up. Um, yeah. Turning our attention to 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 Friday night though, um, the Brumbies. Uh, they had a, a very impressive win over over the Reds. Impressive for a couple of reasons because their their set piece didn't fire. Um, the line out and the scrum, the line out, which has been such a strength of theirs for a few years, they lost three three line outs. The Reds were, were proving pretty tough there, uh, but they managed to turn around a first half deficit to, to, to come home and just sneak the the, the win. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned his name before, Noah Lolasio. He, I thought he played really well, um, solid without again setting the house on fire. Had a couple of really nice touches, uh, and, and that tens chat. Is is quite exciting uh, around all those youngsters, but yeah, the Brumbies, uh, you know Tom Wright, who we're going to chat to shortly, uh, had a really good game. Um, you know Tavita Kurandrani, um, solid again. Uh, you know he's he's never going to let you down. So I, I thought the yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough uh, road trip for the Rebels. Uh, up there in Canberra on the weekend. The exciting thing about that game as well on on the weekend with the with the with the Brumbies getting home twenty seven twenty four I think it was. Um, you had guys like Rob Valentini starting to to look 
Like he's got a bit more presence out in the field. Pete Sami coming back, great to see the the shirt tucked in as well. But <laughs> he he's, he he had a good return. Clearly, he fell out of favour a bit with the Wallabies at the end of last year. Uh, was was looked over for the season, but but even in the back line, Tom Banks um, cramping yet manages to find a second win to score an excellent try. Um, we we saw uh, Solomon Nakata make his debut for the Brumbies, uh, and clearly Kirajani was was great. So. Um, despite the fact that the set piece didn't quite fire, uh, and, and I have no doubt that they will at some stage, there's been a, a slight tweak with how the, the coaching structure is around that. I think I think it's now uh, the, the scrum coach is now doing the line out as well. So Dan's clearly giving a bit more trust in his Cutler Fords coaches that he has because uh, clearly Laurie Fisher is there as well, who does so much around the the, uh, the breakdown and defence too. Yeah, they were made to make a lot more tackles, the Brumbies, than the Reds. Possession, possession, you know, was was weighted with the Reds. Guys like Darcy Swain made a lot of tackles. Alan Alatoa, who we know is a workhorse. I mean, you know, there's some youth in that forward pack that, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting for Australian rugby out of that Brumbies team. Yeah, you look at... Yeah, and speaking from someone from the other side of the equation, James Slipper, to have a guy like James Slipper come off the bench as well and be around those guys on the bench is just such a boost for, for the Brumbies. Um, a big win, but but but, but Tom Wright, uh, who we'll speak to in a moment, the pace that he showed was, was fantastic. Uh, a big move moving from the, the midfield out further to the flanks. So um, exciting prospect he is and, and the try that he scored. But even earlier in the game, the, the turn of pace that he showed on the left wing to get round and he almost he got tackled a couple of metres out before bombing the try as he stretched out to slide, try to slam it down. Uh, exciting prospects for, for the Brums, I think, going forward. And Tom Wright joins us. Thanks for joining us, Tom. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Mate, firstly, congratulations on a, uh, a terrific win on the weekend. How have the guys pulled up? Yeah, obviously we uh, started our preparation for this Friday's game um, yesterday just with uh, sort of getting the team together and getting a little bit of recovery done and sort of uh, wrapping our head around sort of the game plan for this Friday against the Rebels and um, today being Monday, obviously, um, getting on the field and um, having our, our big hit out for the week, which is good. So, um, yeah, the guys have all pulled up pretty well and um, looking forward to Friday. Tom, we'll, we'll get to uh, Friday and the Rebels in a moment. But before that, clearly uh, great to, to start the campaign with a victory. But how the heck were you guys surviving out in that field? 40 degrees it was in Canberra on, on Friday night. Um, that's, that's remarkable, unheard of. Dan McKellar was calling it dangerous. How was it from a player's perspective to, to be out there for as long as you were? Uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, we sort of obviously went in with the mindset um, of not talking about the heat because the more you talk about it, I suppose, the more it sort of plays on your mind and um, can probably get a little bit affected by it in, in between the years. So um, obviously we all knew it was hot, but the more sort of you tell each other, as, as I just touched on, it gets worse. So um, the age-old saying of it was both for hot teams was um, obviously spot on. So uh, we just try to have to play our own game and just try to play a little bit smarter between the years. And um, in the second half, we made a few adjustments that probably didn't work for us in the first half. And uh, obviously we came away with the chocolates at the end, which was good. The chocolates indeed. Did you actually have to change or, or did Dan change the, the game plan at all because it was going to be so hot? Oh, not necessarily. Just... Um, just a bit of footy smarts around um, 
playing a fair bit of field position and trying to keep the fo- uh, the ball in front of our forwards and rewarding them um, as opposed to making them work even harder in what was obviously some pretty pretty tough conditions. Um, but very much so um, keeping to what we'd sort of done all through the preseason and trying to use the football as much as uh, as much as we can um, in and around. Obviously sticking within our structures, but um, yeah, not too much change. Round one, always pretty tough to, uh, you know, have, you've always a bit, got a few cobwebs on you um, and you guys seem to get some fairly good cohesion in that second half, particularly yourself. What a, what a fantastic try, mate. Congratulations on that. Um, you, you didn't have too much room to move at the end. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, as you touched on, um, sort of the cohesion as a team um, sort of um, came out shining in the second half, especially once we sort of fell, uh, fell more so into our shape that we wanted to play within. Um, we sort of, I think our <clears throat> our fitness sort of um, got us got us into the position that we were able to um, play some football and then um, earn a few turnovers and then play off the back of those, which really helps. Um, um, and they're sort of the the the, uh, the opportunities that you need to take in games like that. So, yeah, mate, you did really well to to finish it off, and it was a it was a lovely little pass to to set it up from Noah Lalesio, right to left to Vita. Yeah, and then and then out to yourself. But um, yeah, Noah, uh, he looked pretty solid for a youngster in that ten jersey. Yeah, he was really good. He was um, really composed. Obviously, there was stages at the game um, or throughout the game, I should say. Pardon me. Um, that uh, composure was pretty key, especially in a, in a role that he was playing. And um, he connected the backs with the forwards really well. Um, and then obviously we, uh, as in the in the terms that we sort of use, we you know we pulled the trigger and um, in stages of the game where where we earn it and um, we were able to score points and uh, reward the forwards for um, the hard work that they'd obviously put in throughout the first half and then uh, probably weren't rewarded for. Um, in that first 40 minutes, but in the second half, we, uh, as I just touched on, sort of scored points when, when we deserved them and uh, sort of def- defended a little bit better too. Tom, Tom, what's it been like uh, your second year now in Super Rugby? Um, clearly last year you spent a fair bit of time in the midfield. Looks like you're going to spend a bit more time on the wing this year. H- how's the transition been and, and, and are you feeling more comfortable at the Brumbies this year? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously... Um, time can be time can be probably one of the bigger things in terms of getting comfortable and um, obviously moving um, interstate from Sydney down to here was probably one of the bigger transitions and uh, when I first got here the the place made me feel really welcome and um, yeah and then to touch on the football obviously a little uh, positional change and obviously there was an opportunity to arise with um, the King of Canberra Henry Spate leaving and going up to Queensland so uh, when that opportunity arose, it was obviously something that I uh, was very open-minded to. So, uh, yeah, a little transition. And um, the eight weeks that we had um, prior to round one was uh, obviously the uh, the key to sort of honing in on um, the skills I needed to sort of fine-tune and then, um, yeah, make myself available for, um, for round one in sort of the best shape that I could. It was one of the goals that I wanted to sort of achieve, and I feel like I've done that, so... Um, yeah, onwards and upwards from here, hopefully. Yeah, the King of Canberra, he got over for a try himself. Uh, Henry Spate will be in a Reds jersey. That was a pretty handy try as well. Did it feel, yeah. Did, was, that, was that weird, Tom, seeing the, the big man, the big afro diving under the sticks? Uh, yeah, probably 
wasn't too dissimilar to what he's done a thousand times at GAO Stadium, but albeit what you touched on there in the Reds jersey. Um, yeah, I was really happy for Henry. Obviously, didn't want him to score against us, but he's, um, as I touched on, he, he's an absolute legend, mate. He's one of the guys that makes you feel right at home uh, when you first get here. So, uh, yeah, it was really good to see him after what had been a couple of months, obviously, without seeing him. I, you know, a lot of us stay in touch with him, which is um, just the sort of guy he is, always like real caring. Uh, I'm a funny guy, so uh, I think I saw um, in the news or that he's first bloke to score against every Super Rugby side. So couldn't couldn't be happier for someone um, to do it more than I was to see Henry. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's a he's a champion human. Um, you guys have lost a lot of experience down there last year in Canberra, uh, and you got a bit of a new sort of leadership group there. We spoke to Alan Alatoa and um, and Lockie McCaffrey on the on the blower last week. Uh, how, how have they sort of uh, come together as a leadership group, and um, they they seem like they're enjoying themselves as well. Yeah, just those two that you touched on. Um sort of at two different stages in their career, I say. Uh, obviously, one's a little bit older than the other and they're actually housemates, so I'm sure they uh, sort of ponder over football pretty much as soon as they leave here and get home and probably don't stop talking about it. But um, Alan's a leader that um, leads by action. Um, he sort of probably wouldn't want to follow anyone more. Uh, he leaves blood, sweat and tears out there and um, that's a leader that, um, that this group will follow. Uh, follow till the end and uh, obviously he's got a really good supporting cast um, in obviously in Lockie that he touched on and uh, Joe and Scotty and Al and all these guys that have um, sort of obviously played at, at the highest level and have played a whole lot of super super rugby games now and um, yeah you said obviously we lost a lot of experience but um, obviously in in with that we we gain a lot of um, a lot of young guys and with that obviously comes uh, heaps of energy and um, eagerness to, to obviously push to push guys for positions and um, yeah we've got a really good um, dynamic in the squad at, at the moment and it's a really good vibe. Absolutely Tom and um, this weekend or Friday night again uh, a big one against the Rebels uh, clearly they're going to be wanting to, to bounce back what's Dan been talking about uh, yesterday with the review and then today with your bigger session uh, looking forward to, to Friday's game? Yeah uh, we've only played them uh, a fortnight ago now so um, obviously, there's not going to be too much that we probably haven't seen before. And um, uh, I think he touched on uh, post the Rebels trial that uh, you know we beat them in multiple trials, but we've yet to sort of get the chockies over in the, in the in the games that mean that mean the most. Obviously, in the Super Games, so that'll be something that uh, as players we keep in the back of our mind. But um, yeah, nothing too dissimilar from what we can probably expect or what we did expect in the trial. So um, hopefully, the weather sort of um, turns it on a little bit better for the crowd this weekend, and uh, we get a, you know, we had really good support there considering the conditions on Friday evening, and um, hopefully we get a bigger and better turnout, and the weather, as it's, as I said, um, plays a little bit nicer to those that are sitting in the stands. Oh, absolutely, and and just from a personal point of view, uh, clearly the Rebels have got a couple of quality international players in that back line. You know, Reese Hodge. Um, clearly Matty Tamua, but out in the, the back line as well, Dane Haley-Petty and, and Marika Korobiti. So is it an opportunity for you to, to kind of show what your worth is? Clearly it's a, a big year, position's open and, and, and a brand new coaching structure with, with Dave Rennie now on board. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, obviously a whole lot of internationals there that you touched on and um, that's, what, that's what you're after as a player and um, 
you want to test yourself against the best and you just basically named a, a handful of Wallaby starters. So, um, yeah, nothing. Uh, really excited to take on that challenge and, uh, yeah, just want to sort of get the work done uh, up until Friday evening and then get out there and get it done. Well, Tom, uh, mate, congratulations again on the win over the Reds and getting off to the perfect start for the season. And, mate, we wish you all the best against the Rebels this weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, Tom Wright there, um, tremendous young prospect. Let's let's focus on the Reds for a little bit here because um, they went down to the Brumbies on the weekend. Um, any positives out of that one for you, Christy? Oh, for mine, it was the back row. So so Harry Wilson, uh, Liam Wright, uh, they, were, they were outstanding. Angus Scott Young also. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I think they all toiled away. Clearly, um, Harry Wilson's going to get better and better. But as Kafe said in the on the call, he just looks like a baller, doesn't he? Someone who's he's going to create things. He he loves a carry. He likes the heavy duty sort of stuff. But clearly, can use the ball too, which is something that we haven't had too many number eights necessarily be able to do for for a while. But oh, look, I, I think I think the the front row clearly. Played really well. I think they dominated the Brumbies scrum. Uh, their set pieces should be strong this year. But I think it was just the the composure that James O'Connor outside Isaac Lucas, who who himself had two two great touches where he's turned the ball back inside for Henry Spate, which was a really well worked try. Alex Murphy played a key role off the, that line out too and did a great job. Um, but then later on, he, his outside ball from left to right um, to, to Bryce Hegarty to score, really, really encouraging from a 10s perspective to be able to do that, use uh, both sides of the field. But clearly O'Connor, um, just the composure. It, he, he, what he does so nicely is holds the ball out in front of him with two hands. He, he forces defenders to think about what his next move's going to be because he has that ability to take the line, a bit of footwork. So um, good signs for the Reds, particularly when someone like Jordan Pattaya has possibly he's, he, he struggled his most in Super Rugby, I think, on the weekend, mm. tried to do a lot, uh, and not too much came off. So despite the fact that, that he didn't go that well, the, the Reds probably should have won the game in the end. Yeah, Pattaya, you reckon he's got a target on his back now a little bit from other teams? Now that we've seen what he can do, yeah. he, it was a, you know, he was the rising star at the World Cup for, for the Wallabies. Everyone around the world has seen what he can do now. So this could could this be a little bit of second-year syndrome, mate? Well, I mean, it's round one. I'm not going to write him off because he's a freak and he's awesome. Oh, it, it's a good question but, to ask. Yeah, clearly more people are going to be alert to the fact. And now that you've got O'Connor in that back line too, clearly... Yeah, the, the, dual threats. There's, there's threats all over the field. And and that helps for someone like Tate McDermott though and and and, uh, and Isaac Lucas. Yeah, even Bryce Hegarty as well. Like These guys can just play a, a bit of a straight man role, can't they, when you've got guys like that out the back? And it was nice seeing... Someone like Henry Spade on the on the left wing there, just the composure, um, the experience that he brings. We we saw him the lines that he was running, how hard he was running back. Um, there are some. There, I thought there were quite a few positives to come from the Reds um, defeat, even even though it was a loss. Like they they they, they probably could have won the game. Well, they picked the up a end. losing bonus point as losing well. Losing bonus point on the road. It doesn't get much easier for them now, though, heading over to Johannesburg to, mm. to take on the Lions, who themselves are, are coming off a heavy loss, losing 38 points to eight. But um, you give them an outside chance against the, the Lions, particularly because both teams have had to travel back. Clearly, the Lions coming back from Argentina. Other team that was on the road, the Waratahs, tough first outing against the Crusaders. And, uh, look, they... 
they uh, they just had um, a few lapse moments. I think is probably the best way to describe it. Slipped off a few tackles. Um, you know, they had their moments as well in attack, but uh, the Crusaders just showed too much composure. I think. It was interesting reading Wayne Smith's article in the Australian on on Monday, talking about or you know, John Connolly saying of all the teams he thought despite the fact that the Waratahs lost and lost pretty badly, there were quite a few positives to come out of oh, yeah. out, of, out of that game. And, and I wonder whether or not it's just because Bernard Foley's now gone and, and there are a couple of guys that showed a bit. You know, Will Harrison, he didn't necessarily do anything brilliantly, but, but we saw that he was tough as nails, got flattened a couple of times but got up, but also not, not, not shy of taking the line on. He's mm. got a good turn of pace. Um, he, he came out alive, no yeah, doubt I think, about I think that. the Crusaders might have targeted him a few times as well in, in defence. He slipped off a few tackles. But mate, he, he is, is the real deal, Will Harrison, I think. He's, it's, it's great. He's going to get another crack um, straight away so he doesn't have to worry about uh, you know his, his one game or whatever. He's, he's going to get another crack at it. A big, um, big, big time as well for, for Jake Gordon in his career as to whether or not he can really stamp his name over that Waratahs uh, team now because really, like, of the back line before Phipps and Foley, it's now very much Jake Gordon who who, who has a huge responsibility in ushering those next wave of, of, uh, of Waratahs. They've got the Blues on Saturday evening in Newcastle and, and it's a bit of a toss of the coin sort of proposition, this one. I, I'm not quite sure who... Who to who to lean on at this moment? But but clearly the Blues showed a, a bit against the Chiefs as well. Um, overrun in the end, but both teams will be super hungry to get this one and start their season. So what if the Waratahs can unleash Mark Dewanganita Wasi again, like like they did? Well, I mean he scored one particularly sparkling try. That finish. I don't think anyone in Australian rugby could have could have done that. Uh, I, I don't did. think so either. It, it was actually out of the NRL. Try like you know copy book that one because yeah. clearly the body completely out of the field and he's managed to just but he get his hand just inside the touchline yeah and then to, and then the pick off the intercept as well like that takes a bit of guts as well to to make that read particularly after the out. first half where he struggled a fair bit defensively too. oh yeah yeah he, he I mean he slipped off plenty of tackles didn't he he let he let in a couple of tries but he certainly. Uh, is a star of the future, and hopefully we can see that in Newcastle on the weekend. Hopefully the people of Newcastle, return. the Novacastrians, can get a win for the Waratahs. They return to that scene of that crime, you have to say, last year against the Sunwolves. Well, yeah, there's no shortage of motivation there for the Waratahs because it was really that moment where you thought their season was, was done and dusted. It was an uphill race following that time. Uh, Mac Mason would desperately love another opportunity to get up there, but I don't think he's going to get one necessarily this week, mm. um, even if he's fully fit from his from his groin. One other point, M- Michael Hooper, he's not the captain anymore of the Waratahs, but, gee, how, how good is he going still? He, he's just tireless in, uh, in in his work rate. He's undisputed the best seven in Australia at the moment, and we saw he, he got two breakdown penalties on the weekend yeah. as well, so people... That often talk about, you know, whereas Hoops might have been playing a little bit tighter uh, on the weekend, but that clearly he looks he, he's, he's going to be just as effective as he's in twenty twenty as he's been in the last eight years. So that's the Waratahs. Um, don't forget to leave a review for us on the uh, on the podcast, and also uh, tweet us. Uh, you can tweet us individually. I'm at Swadey Seven or uh, Christy Doran. What's your Twitter? Christy P Doran. 
Christy P. Doran. As in Patrick. Is it Patrick? Yes. Okay. Um, what else caught your eye over the weekend, mate? Well, it was it was frustrating from a, a rugby perspective, someone who loves the game that, you know, on the first weekend and from a reporter's perspective as well, when you've got the first weekend of Super Rugby clashing with the Sydney Sevens, yeah. that, that, that's not Australian rugby's, um, you know, it's something that they can be blamed with. That's world rugby going, no, this is when, when, when the Sevens is in town. Yeah. Uh, but that was unfortunate. But clearly the Australian Sevens teams, it's now been quite a while since either side has won. The, the women haven't won in, in two years. Um, yeah, it's and, been a while. And, and those things can be kind of easily glossed over because they come in, you know, to Sydney every year and, oh, you know, they only won in Sydney two years ago so it doesn't seem like, they're, no, they're, you know, they're going too badly. But when you bear it down to that, this is the Olympic champions for the women anyway um, that really need to start finding their straps and hitting their straps. Not quite sure what it is at the moment, whether or not it's um, just the – Bit of lack of composure, or not being able to get the continuity in the in the in the squad, but there, there shouldn't be any excuses really, um, given that they spend as much time as as they do together. Positive though, Charlotte Caslick back to injury, or, and, and Emily Cherry, and back. Emily Cherry as well, and and both were were, were really good. Oh uh, yeah, particularly clearly Emily couldn't couldn't get around on, on day two, but um, but Charlotte. Uh, it good. She's just such a good ball player. Um, One of the best in the world, isn't she? Creates yeah. things around her. So yep. uh, hopefully we see both the women and the men firing shortly. Uh, what about yourself, Sweeney? Six Nations on the weekend as well. Just we've got to give that an honourable mention, seeing the English get done in the first game. There, there's not much that pleases you more than that, is there? <laughs> no, I have to say not. I, I love it. I love it when the Poms get done. And uh, to France, no doubt. Um, who, I mean, they've got the next World Cup. They've got four years to build. Uh, they've got a very first, good young first squad. First test of the year, but, gee, they've got a great young squad. Yeah, and if you, if anyone's following the European Champions Cup or the, the French top 14, there's a lot of people that are just quietly confident that something's brewing over in, in France at the moment. Absolutely. Also, uh, Wales beat Italy um, pretty comfortably. Oh, I think the Scots bombed it. Like Stuart Hogg dropping that ball over the line against Ireland. Ireland won, but that was a try that could have potentially tied up the match and uh, they blew it. Yeah, well, the only person, well, clearly the whole of Ireland is excited, but Andy Farrell in particular, first match as head coach, Johnny Sexton for, <clears throat> as now Six Nations and Ireland captain. Um, so keep an eye on that because clearly Ireland is coming down under in July for a couple of tests. So they're returning what, two years after they were here for that brilliant three-match series uh, in 2018. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. As I said, make sure you leave a review on uh, on iTunes for us on the podcast uh, page, I think it is. So not real good with I- all that I- technical I- stuff. iTunes, Wooshka, whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call it. And uh, and also make sure if you've got anything that you want to ch- chat to us about or wanted to ask a question or throw your thoughts out there, make sure you tweet us at Fox Rugby, but also individually at Swan. And Christy P. Doran. Christy P. for Patrick Doran. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.